You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM Travis Schreier fresh from BamaOnline.com where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama affiliated website on the 247sports.com network your trusty your trusty if not talented host of the program the show as always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, ready to help you fulfill all of those holiday treat needs. Peter Brook Chocolatier is, whether it's a specific seasonal mold that they can create for you with that dark chocolate, that white chocolate, that fresh milk chocolate they have on that wheel on a daily basis over there at Peter Brook Chocolatier. They're ready. 205-752-0211. Give them a call. Stop by there. They'll be there till 8 o'clock tonight. And every night, Monday through Saturday. Joined on the program by executive producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute boom of Sports Talk Radio. And I know Jacob Harrison is excited because we had some local high school football playoff action last night. Gordo getting it done, inching closer to a Class 4A state championship game Per, uh, appearance perhaps and we still got some we got a lot of 4a action tonight and some other action as well is that right jacob yeah absolutely plenty to get into i still i mean gordo keeping it alive by the way tanner bailey throwing six touchdowns and get out i mean that is yeah. absolutely insanity uh but yeah i mean we'll, we'll get into everything all the teams that are still sticking around and uh hopefully we'll continue to see some more success and we can get closer and closer to that ACA Gordo uh, state title game that we that, that that at least Carrie and I feel pretty confident will happen. It sounds like we're going to have an ACA of one form or fashion, right? I mean, because tonight yeah. you got Alabama Christian Academy against American Christian Academy, I guess, down in Montgomery. That's right, I guess. Yeah. So we'll see how that one goes. And we'll be uh, obviously rooting for Bibb County, Choctaws tonight. Uh, you've got Pickens County big. How about a, how about reform greater reform Alabama having a year uh, in pick and Pickens County in general uh, in in uh, in high school football here in the area this year. Do it. Do it. Reform. We got to get us some of that reform, daddy. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to check in with us, uh, we'd love to hear from you right here on the program. Uh, we're going to move throughout the program, getting you ready for a college football weekend as well. Uh, we do have some breaking news that appears in relation uh, to the Alabama men's basketball program. This coming from the NCAA just moments ago, Alabama men's basketball placed on three years probation in relation to, as you recall, the FBI inquiry into college basketball that included Alabama, LSU, Kansas, Auburn, uh, a lot of programs sort of caught in that net that was cast initially by the FBI and uh, the University of Alabama now, as we understand it, is being placed on three years probation 
handed a fine of $5,000 plus 1% of the men's basketball program budget, a 10-year show cause order for the former associate athletics director. Now, I'm looking for that name mentioned specifically in here, uh, but as you might recall, uh, the former staffer, associate athletic director i'm gonna do some i'm gonna do some updating on this to make sure i'm correct before i go here with it but we do know that kobe baker back in september of 2017 again this was all pre-natos and we do know that kobe baker resigned in his position with the alabama basketball staff back when all of this was really starting to come down initially so that's sort of the dots that will connect there with the 10-year show cause that has been issued uh, in relation to this case. But that has just been handed down by the NCAA. It doesn't appear as if there's a loss of scholarships involved here. Uh, obviously, you'd rather not be under the, the spotlight of probation at any time. Uh, but in terms of what it means for Alabama basketball right now with Nate Oates and the new staff, uh, seems to be a okay from that perspective, getting into college football talk, transitioning here, some unexpected hoops news to lead off the program. We had to get that to you though. Uh, we got some things we're going to talk about in relation, obviously to Alabama, Kentucky, it's a Friday. So I'm going to get into five predictions, make some calls on Alabama, Kentucky, We'll check in with Charlie Potter, my cohort there at BamaOnline.com. We'll help preview the matchup from his perspective as well. We've got some basketball that we'll talk with Charlie Potter because we've got a convergence, as we know, of the college basketball season getting underway next week, next Wednesday night, right here in Tuscaloosa. The Gamecocks of Jacksonville State make the short drive over. And so we'll talk some hoops with Charlie as well. And then coming up later in the program, it'll be time for Pops' picks on a Friday. Pops coming off that 3-0 heater from last week. We'll see if he can keep the momentum going. A topic for today, because the closer we get to Thanksgiving, the more we, or myself, I guess, think more and more about the Thanksgiving Day spread. We talked about desserts here in the last couple of days. It is, of course, the Carb Olympics when you think of uh, – Thanksgiving. I don't know many Thanksgiving spreads that have a lot of, say, steamed broccoli or cauliflower as a part of it. I mean, it's casserole heaven is what we're talking about. You know, if Thanksgiving were an Olympic event or an Olympics in and of itself, uh, casseroles, you know, if it was the summer games, it'd be like the track and field, the 100, something like that. It'd be one of the primary events. And so casseroles, a big part of that. So we're talking casseroles in relation to Thanksgiving today. Jacob, do you have a go-to casserole when, when you think about those, uh, those particular dishes? And by the way, I do count lasagna as a casserole in case anyone's wondering, it is qualified for, for this uh, particular event. Uh, uh, strictly Thanksgiving themed, uh, it, it's going to be my mom's green bean casserole. That that slaps hard, uh, but I'm always good for a good sweet potato casserole and and uh, uh, corn casserole as well. Typically, at at your family gathering, how many casseroles will be represented? Because for us, I mean, it could be up to four. Like you talked about, green bean casserole staple, sweet potato casserole staple, uh, hash brown casserole is a staple of ours. So at least three and the potential for upwards of four or more. Yeah. I think uh, f four sounds like the standard for me. I'm th I think I'm missing one, but the green bean casserole, sweet <laughs> potato and corn casseroles are staples at ours. Um, I'm sure we can get up to four or five. Yeah. Corn casserole too. Yeah, that's a big one around Casa de Rier as well. So we'll ask pops because see Nana growing up with Nana and, you know, a really good cook, Nana, but she was kind of the casserole queen growing up. It's probably because she had like three or four of us to feed. And so the casseroles were both economical and you could just, you know, mass produce those things quick, uh, feed a lot of people, shut us up, all those things with casseroles. Nana could almost fit a casserole into each night of the week. 
I mean, she had a lineup, kind of like the 27 Yankees of casseroles Nana had back in the day. So we'll ask Pops of all those casseroles, his personal favorite. So we'll talk with Pops coming up later in the show. You know, we've almost got to the point where we have to keep a running roster of COVID-19 positives in sports. I mean, just this morning, you see come across your timeline. University of Miami head coach, Manny Diaz, positive. University of Tennessee Athletics Director Phil Fulmer today, positive. You have Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett, positive. Troy University head football coach Chip Lindsey, positive. And you went into yesterday afternoon or into the evening hours wondering about two games in the Southeastern Conference for this weekend. Arkansas and LSU and Missouri and South Carolina. And still, I guess, kind of waiting on Missouri, South Carolina. But we did get confirmation this morning that Arkansas and LSU will play. As of this morning, they will play tomorrow. It seems as if we've reached that line of demarcation with COVID protocols that the call has been made and Arkansas will, in fact, have enough scholarship players to host LSU uh, tomorrow. So we will have that game. And look. Another reason, in my opinion, Sam Pittman's the SEC Coach of the Year. Not just because he's won three conference games. Arkansas's won three conference games for the first time since 2016. 2016, Arkansas went 3-5 and five in the league, 7-6 and six overall. And the next three seasons for Arkansas, 1-7, 0-8, Pittman's won three games in seven, in seven goes. And so you can't even say at this point, well, it's a 10-game SEC schedule this year. That's how he got to No, he's already won three and seven, you know, and very well could make it four and eight tomorrow. We'll see. It's not so much even the numbers that you worry about in a situation like Arkansas. It's who? You know, is Felipe Franks one of these guys that's going to be out tomorrow for Arkansas? You just don't know. Uh, Rakeem Boyd at the running back position, perhaps. Uh, one of those linebackers, one of those DBs that have been so opportunistic when it comes to takeaways as a part of that Arkansas defense. You won't know in all likelihood until tomorrow. But Sam Pittman winning three conference games and now in fielding a team tomorrow against an LSU team that has already lost two games because of COVID. Now, the Florida game... That was Florida's situation. Florida coming off A&M had sort of that outbreak, contact tracing, those things came into play. Florida had to pull the COVID card with LSU, which forced that game to be rescheduled for December the 12th. Then, of course, you had LSU and Alabama last week postponed. LSU couldn't play a week ago. You know, Sam Pittman in Arkansas, they have played seven games. They have played each of their scheduled games. And now they're going to play their eighth in what is obviously a situation where they will be shorthanded. And look, Sam Pittman in Arkansas, if you're that close to the 53 number or you're that close, say, with seven offensive linemen or four defensive linemen, uh, you could easily, and I think there's a lot of folks out there that think maybe this has been the case already with some teams in the SEC, if you're that close to the number, you could easily look at some guys that maybe have sprained ankles or, you know, bumps and bruises that obviously have them less than 100% and just rule them out. Say they're out. They physically can't go. And that puts us from 54 to 52. Sorry, we can't play tomorrow. Arkansas is doing the Southeastern Conference a real solid in not doing that. Because if they had... LSU would still be sitting with five games going into the final Saturday in November. So uh, let's go ahead and give Sam Pittman SEC Coach of the Year. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's also get into some predictions for Alabama-Kentucky tomorrow afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium with Ole Miss and Texas A&M out the window, speaking of COVID. This is pretty much your mid-afternoon centerpiece game now it becomes. Because you're not going to have the 2.30 game on CBS. You're going to have Alabama-Kentucky at 3 o'clock. I'm going to go ahead. I know I've 
said this on the show in previous days. I've kind of made this Kentucky run game sound like Nebraska from the mid-90s, and that's not really been my intention. It's just in relation to some post-Ole Miss uh, traumatic syndrome, I guess you could say, that I've had since that matchup in Oxford when the Rebels went for 268 on the ground and 600-plus total. It kind of been looking to this matchup to be the next real challenge for this Alabama defense in terms of stopping a legitimate run game, or at least slowing it down. Chris Rodriguez, my man crush for him, the Kentucky running back, has been well-documented this week. Um, so I think Kentucky goes for 150-plus. They come in averaging 195 a game. What I'll be more interested than anything in is yards per carry. Now, Kentucky gets to 160, but it takes like 45 carries to get there. You can you can live with that if you're Alabama. You know, you hold Kentucky under four yards per carry. Uh, but, you know, if they get to 190-plus on 35 to 40 carries, that's when you're going to have some residual concerns heading into the Iron Bowl week and with what Auburn's going to present from that perspective, and Bo Nix and Sean Shivers and Tank Bigsby. And then on top of that, as we've talked about this week, you can man up Seth Williams on the outside. You can man up Anthony Schwartz, those wide receivers for Auburn. But you're not going to feel as good about it as you are this week. You can man up these Kentucky wide receivers and kind of expect that you're not going to get hurt too much with the corners that you have at Alabama and the star defensive back that you have in Malachi Moore. Next week, going to be a little uh little more uh, touchy there on the outside in some of those matchups i do also think alabama will start a new rushing touchdown streak in the game on saturday the mississippi state game was the first time since the 2019 college football playoff that alabama went without a rushing touchdown that was 18 games that rushing touchdown streak covered crimson tide had 45 rushing touchdowns during that stretch so I do think Kentucky defensively ranks first in the SEC in red zone defense, uh, but they have given up two or more rushing touchdowns in each of their last three games. So I think Alabama gets that rushing touchdown streak going once again this week with Kentucky in town. One more before we head to a break. Mac Jones, he's going to do it once again. Uh, he's going to complete more than 70% of his passes. Uh, in the game tomorrow afternoon, the former Kentucky commit, Mac Jones sitting at 78.5 in terms of his completion percentage. And when you look at quarterbacks who have played four more games this season, that is best in FBS. He hasn't had a game this season in which he's had a completion percentage lower than 74%. And a lot of people would say, well, this is an easy one. You're not going out on a limb there. Maybe, but this is a Kentucky defense that ranks currently tops in the SEC. And even with that, you think back to Mississippi State on the last Saturday of October, the last time we saw this Alabama team. And Mississippi State came in here with the SEC's top-ranked pass defense. And it wasn't maybe the fireworks expedition or exhibition that we've seen from Mac Jones in the passing game in some other games. It didn't throw for 400-plus didn't have quite as many explosive plays. It was kind of the Devontae Smith show. But still, you know, 291 passing yards, four touchdowns, all of those to Devontae Smith. So from that perspective, tomorrow will be interesting. Do we see a resurfacing of John Mechie as a complimentary receiver, Slade Bolden as a complimentary receiver? Uh, how much does Najee Harris continue to emerge in the passing game because he's had multiple games in a row now of six catches? Uh, however it shakes out. Yeah, I would think Mac Jones with another passing performance when you're talking about completion percentage in excess of 70%. Going to head to our first break. When we come back, Charlie Potter, he's probably busy right now with that NC2A news at the very top of the hour that we gave you in relation to the Alabama men's basketball team. Again, three years probation for Alabama men's basketball a fine as a part of those penalties, a 10-year show cause for the former associate athletic director directly involved in the situation back in 2017. Uh, that individual believed to be Kobe Baker, who resigned at the time from his position. 
uh, back during the Avery Johnson tenure at Alabama. So uh, we'll get into a lot of football stuff with Charlie coming up next right here on Southern Fried Sports right after this. What a beautiful day today. Blue sky and sunshine. The high at 72. For tonight, clear with the low at 48. Tomorrow is sunny. Saturday as the weekend begins. The high 73. And Sunday, we stay dry with a partly sunny sky. The high Sunday at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. You're listening to Tide 100.9. Are you in the holiday spirit? Check out Tuscaloosa's Home for the Holidays on Nick 97.5. All Christmas songs, 24-7. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Back with more of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It's that time on Friday when we check in with Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us there at BamaOnline.com. And Charlie, as we bring you on, we couldn't hardly get into the show intro today before some news of note in relation to the Alabama men's basketball team sort of hit our timelines. And uh, I'm sure that's uh, attracted your attention here in the last 20 minutes or so. But I guess when you really look at the outline of the penalties, uh, if you're Nate Oates and the current staff, it doesn't really change much. I mean, obviously, you've got to watch your step. You're always trying to do that. But uh, postseason play is still in play and, and scholarships and, and things like that. I, it doesn't appear to be a, certainly a, a worst-case scenario for Alabama basketball. No, yeah, I think it's the best-case scenario. You, know, you, you mentioned it there, the, the no scholarship ban, the no postseason ban. That's big. So uh, you, know, you never want to kind of make light of the situation, but it's, it's almost like a slap in the wrist for for the program. Of course, you know, the probation, yeah, like you said, you got to watch what you do, be careful. But, um, you know, uh, other than, you know, Kobe Baker, I think everybody else uh, is pretty happy with the results. And I think uh, it sounds like Nate Oates has been happy in recent days with how his team has navigated COVID-19 and the protocols and the expectation continuing be to be that we will see this team on the court next Wednesday night against Jacksonville state. And you know, it's one of these teams and recent memory, at least it, it's hard to recall a team where the anticipation has been as great for an Alabama team as this one. Yeah. And then they're doing, they're doing good from that standpoint. He spoke on a, a teleconference yesterday and he said they haven't had a positive test uh, within the program since August. So yeah, that's always good news, and he also said that they're they're healthy. They have everybody uh, healthy, and that's good news for a guy like Jawan Gary, who's been kind of dealing with that uh, same knee injury and you know taking things easy. And um, you know, it's uh, I think the anticipation is really high. And, you know, that's something um, he mentioned just because of the limited capacity that's going to be at Coleman Coliseum. Um, you know, it kind of came at the the worst possible time because. There is a lot of excitement surrounding this basketball team and a lot of people wanting to watch. So, um, yeah, I think he was anticipating a, a bunch of sellouts. And, you know, of course, we know that's not going to be the case this year with um, you know, only about 2,000 fans in the in the arena. But no, I, I think that not only are fans excited to see this team on the court, but they're ready to play. I mean, they've, they've been waiting. Um, they've been practicing against each other. Same thing with, with football. There was an extended preseason, and and now they're ready to play somebody else. We saw Kyra Lewis Jr. go in the first round of the NBA draft on Wednesday night. Kyra, a new member of the New Orleans Pelicans. If I asked you today, November the 20th, 2020, to give me 
Alabama's most likely first-round pick from this team for next year, who would be the guy you'd go with right now? That's tough, and I think that's the good thing for Alabama. I think they have a few guys that could be drafted on this roster. I think John Petty, uh, the reason he came back is he wanted to work his way into the first round. Um, I think he's a guy that could have probably been a uh, a second round guy this year, maybe, you know, at the, the end of the, the draft. I think that's why he came back is to improve that stock. Um, you know, Herb Jones, all the talk has been that his offensive game has improved. And if it has, then you know, he's going to be an NBA player for a long time. Uh, I think you also have to look at a guy like uh, Josh Primo, the, the freshman guard. Uh, he's a guy that even before he got on campus was, you know, being talked about as potential warrior pick. And then um, you just look up and down the roster. Um, you know, I think, Maybe a Jordan Bruner plays his way into that. Um, maybe uh, you know Jaden Shackelford down the road, or Javon Quinterly. But um, you know, I think the first three guys I mentioned would be the, the ones that I would try to pick from. And you know, I'll, I'll go with a guy like like John Petty because you know scoring is obviously at a premium, um, and you, you can't replace that in the league. And I think he improved last year as a defender and really tried to to. Um, improve his game in all other facets because he's a guy that is pretty much only known as a shooter. So if he continues on that same trajectory, I think he's a guy that uh, you can find himself in an NBA roster pretty early. Yeah, spacing the floor, right? Everybody's wanting to do it more and more, and no better way to do it than with a shooter from the outside who is somewhere north of 40% when it comes to threes. And that's what we saw from John Petty a year ago, and yeah, you're right. He sort of expanded his game over the last year or two, more of a rebounder, a better defender, uh, perhaps getting a little stronger on the ball. Um, that's maybe what in a NBA people want to see and a, a continuance, of course, of that shooting ability from a year ago. But you're right. It's a good problem. And what Alabama men's basketball, frankly, hasn't had for, for quite some time now. Well, we talk football for tomorrow. Uh, Alabama and Kentucky here in Tuscaloosa. I mean, for you, Charlie, you're always there early. You're always there for pregame warmups and kind of noting what you're seeing there as warmups unfold. This might almost have the feel of the Missouri game from that standpoint. Just trying, <laughs> just trying to get reacquainted with this team after uh, a couple of Saturdays away. It really is. Um, it, it's been strange to have two weekends off in a row. Uh, during football season, you're always used to a bye week, and you know that's always a welcome sight. But but two in a row, um, it's almost not fun just because you get into that rhythm, that routine. Um, you know, the football season's a grind, but I appreciate knowing what I'm going to do on a daily basis and have plenty to write about. And so to to get back into the stadium and to um, be able to cover a game will be nice, but it will be a little strange, frankly, because it'll be basically three weeks since uh, we last did it. So. Um, you know, with that, you, you have guys that have been banged up. You know, that was the key point of the, the bye week and then the, the second unexpected bye week. And so just to see where guys are, that'll be important uh, during warm-ups. And really, the first guy I'm going to be looking for is LeBron Ray with, you know, that elbow injury. I asked Nick Saban about him after Wednesday's practice. And he basically said that um, he's been practicing, he's he's been cleared, and it all comes down to how he feels going to be left up to him because you know it, it is an elbow injury it is a nagging injury but as a defensive lineman i mean that elbow and you know, being able to extend your arm and uh everything like that that's that's important and so um seeing what he does if he's you know dressed out and, and going through one up so he'd be big and so just getting back out there will will be fun to to see a game and you know, hopefully we don't have any more disruptions in this season moving forward from the COVID-19 perspective, Alabama seems to have navigated the situation pretty well. Um, but has there been anything that maybe Nick Saban has said in the last week or so that will have you interested from that standpoint? Maybe not so much along the lines of frontline players, but just guys in general, you know, because of contact tracing and, and the potential for, for that to thin you a little bit. Yeah, that's something, too, that, that I'm going to be looking for because – um, a week ago, he was asked about the um, the COVID nineteen situation of the team. It, it might not have even been during the the what it would have been LSU week. It might have been the bye week. You know, days are um, neither here nor there for me now. But <laughs> run together um, pretty good now. Yeah. yeah, 
but he did say they had one guy test positive, basically coming off of um, what was a, a bye weekend where a lot of players went home, which that's good news. Um, but then he was asked about it this week, and he wasn't defensive, but basically said, you know, we've, we've never you know, reported the numbers, and, and that was kind of a red flag. But he did say that, you know, they definitely have enough players to play. They're going to be ready to go. And I think they might have been hit with a little bit of a, a spike in cases or maybe some guys having to quarantine because of contact tracing. But to my understanding, it isn't, like you said, no no starters, uh, no big-name players. So yeah, that'll be tough to kind of pinpoint tomorrow um, just because, you know, you, you have a full roster of players to look at. But, you know, you, could, you can tell if there's, there's not a guy or two out there. That'd be something uh, I'm looking for. And, again, I, I don't think they've been hit hard, and I don't think it's, you know, any anything – to be worried about if you're Alabama, but it's just kind of the reality of the season. It's going to happen. Uh, I think Alabama, maybe more so than anyone else, has handled it really, really well. And, um, you know, they're testing on a daily basis, and that helps. So, um, you yeah, we'll see. Uh, but, again, I don't think it's just a, a huge um, obstacle uh, for tomorrow's game, but it'll be something to look for for sure. What do you need to see, though? Understanding Alabama's a 30-point favorite tomorrow. What area of this team, after not seeing it since October the 31st, do you need to see maybe the most growth from as you look ahead to Auburn coming up and you know a stretch run that suddenly Arkansas looks more daunting than it did in the preseason uh, if it plays out that way? What, is, is there an area of this team that, that you'll be particularly interested in from that standpoint? I think it always goes back to the defense, and you know, I, I think if if they can continue to show the improvement and progress that they have since the second half of the Georgia game, and that bodes well for Alabama later in the season. Uh, you're getting a guy like LeBron uh, LeBron Ray back potentially. I think would help with that. Um, but you know, you need to see more consistent play from the safeties, um, you know, more consistent play from the inside linebackers, the defensive front, and. Um, if they do that against the Kentucky team that can, you know, throw some things at you, you know, they're not going to run up the score or be able to score just a ton, but if they can keep this Kentucky team in check and yeah, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a, um, a reality, maybe a, another shutout, then, you know, I think that'll be, that bodes well for, for them the rest of the season. You know, if they can do that and sustain that against, you know, a second straight opponent, uh, that's big for this defense. And, you know, Nick Saban has said it, a couple times in this three week stretch, really, that you know the the days of of shutting uh, teams out on a consistent basis are, are basically over. You know they're coming off a shutout over Mississippi State, and really, if you you know hold teams to under two touchdowns, that's a win these days, just with how uh, offenses are um, are ran these days. But you know, with Kentucky, you know they're more of a, a run heavy team. They're going to throw some option looks out there. They're going to run with their quarterbacks, and you know they're they're going to have some some exotic looks that Alabama you know, hasn't faced really this year. And if they can um, adjust and, and get those under control and, and play well, I, I think that'll be big for this team moving forward. And if it doesn't, um, you know, then, you know, facing an Auburn team next week, that becomes even more of a challenge. So I think defensively, you know, for me, you know, that's always going to be really what I look for. And then, you know, just depth from a, a young player perspective, because that was another key point of the, the bye week, how these young guys that may be running back and receiver progress. Well, Charlie, I know you've become even more busy here in the last 35 minutes, so I'll let you get back to it. But as always, we appreciate the time, my man. Look forward to the coverage. And by the way, great, great feature story on Miller Forstall a few days ago. If you haven't seen that, go to BamaOnline.com. Among other great things Charlie does for us there at the website. Uh, Great, great stuff on the veteran tight end, Miller Forstall. Thanks, Charlie. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter. If you haven't already, you probably have. I mean, come on. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T-T-E-R. Back with more of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
born on this day 74 years ago. The man doing some serious work right there on the guitar. The late, great Dwayne Allman. Sky Doll, 1946. He made his grand entrance. It's Southern Fried Sports on a Friday. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to the ever-busy Charlie Potter. The NC2A giving Charlie something to uh, sick his teeth into after the announcement earlier in the hour that Alabama men's basketball had received three years probation from a college sports governing body. Of course, that in relation to the Kobe Baker situation from, gosh, three or four years ago now. So uh, the Crimson Tide, though, not going to endure scholarship losses, no loss of postseason play opportunities. So that's what you need to know more than anything else. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolates here studio line. If you'd like to check in with us, we're going to have Pops. Pops coming up in just a little bit. You know what else we got coming up this weekend down around Pops' way? We've got Jacob Harrison Stillers looking to remain perfect as the NFL's lone unbeaten squad taking on our Jacksonville Jaguars. How about that on Sunday down on the banks? Just trying to help St. you get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, just don't screw up our draft pick. All right, Jacob? You know, because, look, the Jags have been pretty successful against the Steelers in the past. And we talked about that division playoff game from just a couple of years ago up in the Steel City that yours truly and the oldest Ryer, Evan Ryer, we attended that one. Very chilly very chilly January afternoon up there at Heinz Field, but a joyous one in the end as the Jaguars got it done. Uh, and also the first, you know, the first Monday night football game uh, at home for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers many, many years ago. I actually attended that one still living there on the first coast at the time. That was a tough ticket. That was back when TAA... Is it TAA? I, I don't know. These banks, all these different banks now. When the when the stadium there in Jacksonville, they weren't utilizing the tarps back then. So you're talking about 75K in there for Monday Night Football. And I remember vividly battling the ticket man outside the stadium that Monday night. We got in. The three of us got in, but we all got in on singles. You weren't going to find three together. You were going to find two together. Three is always a bad number, though. I mean, you're either going to get a single, you're going to get a pair, or four. You know, three is tough. The odd numbers, other than a single, uh, good luck with that. But we managed to get in, and the Jaguars got the job done that night. Speaking of getting the job done, we talked about Sam Pittman and uh, throwing him some bouquets for the simple fact that Arkansas is going to actually field a team, even with the COVID issues that it's enduring right now for that matchup with LSU tomorrow. Sounds like the same is true for Mike Leach in Mississippi State. Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated is reporting that Mississippi State and Georgia will come off as planned, but it's very possible that the Bulldogs could be looking at a roster under the 53-man scholarship threshold. And apparently there's one game per season in which an SEC team can still play despite being under that number, this could be that game for Mississippi State, which sounds good until you consider the Egg Bowls next week. And if you only get one of those to play under the 53-man threshold and you use it for Georgia and you're under it again next week, what happens to the Egg Bowl? I don't know. Maybe Mississippi State would rather bypass that one this year. I think Lane might drop a bomb on the Bulldogs. If that one comes to be, we're going to step aside for a final break. We come back. Pops going to check in. What's Pops' favorite casserole? What are Pops' picks for the upcoming college football weekend? We'll get all those answers and more when Southern Fried Sports returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. 
What a beautiful day today. Blue sky and sunshine. The high at 72. For tonight, clear with the low at 48. Tomorrow is sunny Saturday as the weekend begins. The high 73. And Sunday, we stay dry with a partly sunny sky. The high Sunday at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. For Pops, Rusty, the chocolate lady over at Peterbrook Chocolates here, and the rest of the crew at Southern Fried Sports. Travis Ryer wishing you and yours a happy holiday season. And here's to a much improved 2021. Sports paying tribute to the late great Dwayne Allman on what would have been his 74th birthday. Dwayne there doing some work with Eric Clapton as part of Derek and the Dominoes. You know, a guy who is essentially a neighbor to one of the most prominent names in Southern rock history, not just in terms of Leonard Skinner either. We've talked about that with Pops in the past. Pops, from where he sits right now, is about a quarter of a mile away from the Van Zant compound. You know, of course, Ronnie, Johnny, Donnie, all of them. But Pops, I don't even know if you know this, but where the Allman brothers are concerned, the trucks family, butch trucks, you know, Used to be a part of the Allman Brothers, of course. And, uh, you know, you got Derek Trucks now out there doing his thing. The trucks, uh, their their compound where they basically set up shop in Jacksonville Pops is right over there on Del Mar, a couple blocks away from you. Did you know that? Right around the corner there. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You knew? Derek Trucks played the uh, uh, national anthem on his guitar at the Georgia-Florida game. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that the now. trucks, though, were right around the corner from you, too. Oh, yeah. They You're covered they up in it. on one side, and the, the Van Zants lived on the other side of me. Mm-hmm. One lived to the west of me, and the other lived to the east of me. Or did yeah. to the east of me. And we're, I mean, we're talking about less than a quarter of a mile away. You're right in yeah. the middle of all that, Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. on the corner there, <laughs> Del Mar and Park Street. You know, something we're talking about today, Pops, is casseroles, because we got Thanksgiving coming up. And, of course, you're married to the queen of casseroles. And there Nana. was one, the queen of yeah. casseroles. <laughs> I mean, there was a stretch growing up, Pops, where I'm pretty sure Monday through Sunday we casseroled. You know? I mean, every day. Yeah. Every day. What and, was uh, your What's your favorite Nana casserole? Well, you know, the ones with the, with the stale potato chips that you break up and put on top. <laughs> what was the tuna the tuna casserole. That was the tuna uh, the, casserole. Your boy yeah, was proud of that too, buddy. <laughs> but but really you you think it was just a way that she'd get rid of the stale ruffles. That's exactly put right. The, I didn't appreciate she'd crumble it. them on top. I didn't appreciate it quite as much as she did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she used to do a mean tuna casserole. That's right. You're yeah. absolutely right. I always thought her chicken supreme, that chicken yeah. casserole. Well, now that, that, that was good. The chicken with the Ritz crackers chicken. on top. So I think she and put it, Ritz cracker crumbs on that. She, can, she still does that. It is good. Yeah. But some, of them, some of them weren't quite up to standard. Do you like the hash? You know, she she's big on these different weird things on top. The hash brown casserole with yeah. the cornflakes on top, Pops. Yes, she did. You know? Yes, she did. And that wasn't too bad. I like that I, one. I like the hash browns, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's always did. these toppings, you know, whether it's stale potato chips or, <laughs> you know, Ritz crackers or uh, maybe it's cornflakes. You know, she's always trying to get rid of stuff in the pantry by putting it on top of her casserole. I know, I know. And she figured all, all the kids, you know, they'd gobble it up. And they, y'all did. We did. We ate every bit of it. 
She tried to kill us a few times with those casseroles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pops, you know, you went 3-0 and oh in your picks last week. You know well, that, right? I, I, I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember which uh, ones I picked and who I had. I thought I was 2-1. and one. I thought but you three were 3-0. Oh. Oh. You, you had DJ over JT. I know that. Yeah, yeah. And then you had Wisconsin over Michigan. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, was it BYU over Boise? Uh, one of those. Yeah. You were 3-0 oh by my have, count. Uh, I did, we did pick that game, didn't we? Mm-hmm. But I I was I knew I, was, I did pretty good, but after that first week, I, I needed a three and zero to cancel it out. You know what I mean? Oh, geez, you're you know what you've had. your I want to say you're seven and two in your last nine. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you're eleven and ten now on the season, and we're gonna get some picks from you today. LSU at Arkansas. Arkansas with just enough scholarship players. It sounds like to field a team tomorrow. And LSU coming in after uh, the postponement of the Alabama game, Pops. You like uh, Arkansas at home or LSU on the road there? Well, I'm, I'm going to go with with, uh, with Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Arkansas. Just because, you know, that's with my, my heart and not my head. But yeah. I, I, I don't, LSU hadn't impressed me anyhow, but I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm pulling for Arkansas. This new coach and Pittman, I like him. We've handed, in fact, earlier in the show, we handed, we went ahead and handed Sam Pittman SEC Coach of the Year. Pops, what do you think Very of that? Very good. Very good. You're in. You're okay with that? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about your boy uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma tomorrow? O- Oklahoma <laughs> State at OU Bedlam tomorrow in well, Norman, Oklahoma. Who you well, got there? I hope, I hope Oklahoma wins. That's, that's all I know. You know, one hundred and sixty to nothing. You, at least, you like that? At least, at least, just bury yeah. it. Just keep on trucking. You know, OU's been playing better. Yeah, they they playing they, better. You know, they're they're doing doing. But I can't. What have they lost? At least two games so far. Yeah, yeah. That's Spencer so Rattler's playing Oklahoma. pretty good at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, your third pick. We're going to go uh, to the Big Ten, and this will probably be a tough one for you, but you've got to pick Wisconsin at Northwestern, Pops. Oh. Two oh. of your favorite teams. Hey. Yeah. you got to watch that game. <laughs> I mean, that's a game. That's a must watch. Yeah. 80% of the players on the field are going to be honked. Yeah. Yeah. I, guess I hear you. I mean, but, but – you know, you got to pick. I got to go with Northwestern because I've already said that's my favorite team this year. Uh huh. Yeah, you're yeah. on record with that. Pat Fitzgerald, yeah. head coach there. You love you some Pat Fitzgerald, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So you but like? I mean, Northwestern I like Wisconsin too. I mean, I wish they yeah, you got to pick one, one though, pops. You got some big games in the Big Ten tomorrow. You know, a lot of people are building up that. Uh, Building up that Indiana Ohio State game too. I'm 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 looking really I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. That that uh lefty quarterback for uh Indiana, Indiana. can throw that thing. Yeah. He can throw it around. Yeah, he can. Yeah. Little different trajectory for Indiana coming off that Gator Bowl down there with you last postseason than Tennessee, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Teams that went in opposite directions. Yeah, I'd be big time. You expecting any type of uprising from Tennessee at Auburn tomorrow? Pops? No, not at all. Not You're at thinking all. Tennessee gets rolled? Yeah. All right. Yeah, and Nick like Nick, Auburn big. Nick's is playing a little better too. So. Yeah, he's kind of gotten through the hero ball stage. It seems like mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. See if he can maintain that. Right. So what's the uh, are the are the Christmas lights up over there off my uh, no, Not at all. Not at all. Don't even go there. I'm, 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 I'm going to have to call I'm, Nana and see what the delay is on that. <laughs> you don't need to call her at all. <laughs> Please don't call her. Look, we don't want you on that ladder any more than you want to be on it. Oh, God, you know? the woman. She, you, you, you wouldn't believe it. She, she, just, she thinks she's Mrs. Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. She got the tree up yet? She's, hey, you wouldn't believe it. She's got all kind of plans, you know. This, oh, that, yeah. and the other. She's not even home right now. 
I went to a funeral this morning. Uh oh. For a friend of mine that I I played. I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Pat Letty. Absolutely, I remember well, Pat. Remember I played with son, I, I played with his son, his sons Bubba and yeah, Pat, Bubba little and Pat, little Pat. Well, the, oh, okay. Pat, well, the, I hate to hear that. The dad passed away. Yeah. Northside legend. Oh, incredible! That's my a noted he, he's, tavern he's brawler. My own personal right? John Wayne. He's a noted tavern brawler, wasn't he, Pat oh, Letty? Oh, oh, I've seen him in action. He saved my life. That's, there's no doubt about it. He that. saved your life. How did he save your life? In a brawl. At the lamplighter one night. The yeah. lamplighter. Oof. Yeah. Everything broke loose Patty, and Patty, Patty said, house. In the middle of the brawl, Patty turned to me and said, Gene, get right behind me. Stay there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. He cleaned that place out. He cleaned it out. He cleaned it out, I'm telling you, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I sit there, I Lord have Bobs, did you feel did you feel like you were lacking in some way and what and, and that you didn't even participate? You know, you no, just no. kind of got behind. Well, Pat. I was participating. Yeah, you were getting out of there. But my eyes were as big as a silver dollar. And Patty looked at me. He said, "Gene, get behind me." <laughs> well, I rest said, in yes, peace sir. to Mr. Pat Letty. And I got right behind him, and away he went. Oof. Well, Pops, have a good weekend. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to y'all later. There he goes, Pops. Paying tribute to his late buddy, Pat. Oof. All right. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. Thanks to Charlie Potter. Thanks to Pops. The Lunch Whistle today, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa had lunch there yesterday. It was outstanding as usual. I continue to love that chopped wedge salad. The uh, the son Evan though he got that uh, he got the fried chicken sandwich, the buffalo bird man, out of this world. Southern Ale House, fifteen thirty McFarland Boulevard North. Until Monday at eleven a.m. Have a great weekend, everybody.